Hey there, welcome to Essential Experience, a podcast where we talk about gaming experiences that have shaped our tastes in video games by bringing forward new ideas to define and redefine entire genres. From retro relics like Morrowind and Doom to indie icons that break new ground with unique ideas, we're here to explore what makes us enthusiasts fall in love with our favorite gaming experiences. I'm Josh, your host. I make videos about game design and storytelling over on YouTube, and I stream on Twitch and end up rambling about game design choices while being somewhat okay at the gaming part. In this week's episode, we've got Tom, or Chili, with us to talk about one of his very interesting choices of a really niche game that I hadn't heard about, and going in blind, really enjoyed the stories they had to tell me about it and made me really want to give it a shot myself. Here's the chat we had. And maybe let's just start off with a little bit about yourself. What do you what do you do? What's what's your whole deal? Yeah, uh hi. I I'm uh, I'm Chili. Um I I do streaming on incompetently competent on Twitch. My family grew up with like, you know, as a lot of families did, there was like one computer for the household, right? And oh yeah. Don't, it, it don't just, miss that. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. But uh, my, my older brother was always on it. So um, my parents were like, oh, we'll get another like home computer and we'll just, you know, give that one to the older brother. And then I just took the new one and just haven't stopped playing games since, really. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I stream, I play games, I do IT things, I guess. What sort of IT things are you doing? Uh, well, I, I work in like problem maintenance and problem management and stuff like that. So there's like a lot of uh, end-to-end logistics and IT problems, uh, solutions designs, that kind of stuff. But beyond that, I just I just really like dabbling in hardware. Uh, I was building computers and stuff when I was like, I don't know, 12 or 13 or whatever. And I've just always kind of had this obsession with pulling things apart and then trying to put them back together. Usually not succeeding. Oh, uh, <laughs> uh, no, I definitely definitely grew up doing a lot of the same, just pulling stuff apart and seeing how they worked and then trying to put them back together. <laughs> yeah, no, that, 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 I think that's part of the best, the fun of it is like, yeah, you can pull it apart. That's all good and stuff. But uh, putting it back together and actually fundamentally... That's a real challenge, it, yeah. That's the challenge, exactly. That's, that's definitely the great part. So like, aside from the game that you've told me you want to talk about, what are some other games that like really were like fundamental to like your childhood or like have cemented you in your gaming experience? Oh yeah, uh, that's that's a really good question. The ones that spring to mind, uh, they're, they're probably favorites to a lot of people, to be honest. Uh, Elder Scrolls 3 was quintessential for my obsession with video games, as was Diablo 2 and Age of, Age of Empires 2 as well were kind of the trifecta of games that really got me hooked and then that's when i kind of discovered uh first person shooters with half-life one and that really changed my entire life but then you know things like mass effect happened and fallout 3 and and even fallout new vegas and it was just the, the games that are super rich in universe and super rich in lore and story just just grab me more than anything. So I, I get lured to those things. Bioshock is another incredible example. Uh, I just get lured to these games that are, I guess for lack of a better word, immersive. Immersive is a great word. Like it gets thrown around way too much as a buzzword, but it is, I think, a really key part of what makes a great gaming experience. And not just gaming, you know, in any media. But yeah, I mean, like, especially with those late 90s, early 2000s, 3D games where like Half-Life and Morrowind, those those are massive for a lot of people. And 
I think they're in that like nice middle ground where like they're recent enough that as a contemporary gamer, it's still pretty playable, but they're old enough to have quite a strong sense of nostalgia and to be quite different to what's on the market at the moment. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And like, I mean, if you, if you want to take Morrowind as an example, like I think that that is one of the best examples of world building I've ever encountered. But if you would have, if you'd never picked up uh, Elder Scrolls three and you played it now, um, it would be absolutely nightmarish in comparison to, you know, even, even like Skyrim and stuff. Like, oh, yeah. you, you know, just, just the combat mechanics alone is just, yeah, um, like the jump from Morrowind to Oblivion is massive. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's just absurd. I, I, I really kind of like that because to me it was, you, you got to, you, you're brute force to learn the meta. You have to learn how to do it like in game. There wasn't, there wasn't online wikis and YouTube guides or anything. It was just like, here you go. You're going to suck for like 30% of the game uh, and you'll miss like 80% of your shots, but have fun. And I just really like that. Yeah, I, I fully feel that, especially like with re-releases of older games. Uh, like when I played through Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask, I refused to look anything up. Did I feel oh. like an idiot for a lot of those games because I couldn't <laughs> figure it out? My little monkey brain was like, no, a 12-year-old figured this out back in like 96 when this came out. I can figure this out as an 18-year-old. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that's great is there is that sense of self-satisfaction of being like, yes, I solved this without cheating. And like that, that is definitely something I try and I try and maintain for as much as I can. But sometimes when you're playing a game like that, you know, you, you play Skyrim, it's like, here's a quest marker. It gives you a direction, follow it. Yeah. But then like Morrowind is just a, a book of text and it just says, Figure walk, it out out. This, <laughs> walk out of this town, turn left at this thing that vaguely looks like a mushroom. And like, that's it. That's all you get. That That's definitely part of the charm is that, like, it doesn't hold your hand as much. And in what you were saying before about it being immersive, the instructions are all like if you were in a real world situation in that sort of fancy uh, environment where, yeah, it's like, cool, we know where you're meant to go. But here, traveler, I'll write down these notes so you can figure it out. Uh, and I love that. That's that's great world building. And I think makes for a way more immersive experience than quest markers. I think the best thing, it, it, it feels like you're playing like a tabletop game. You know what I mean? Like you've yeah. got the, the journal, you've written everything down and it's you're trying to you're trying to keep track of everything in your own head and on paper. And I, I it just feels so much better. Yeah, and it, it feels like you properly figured it out versus like, I know a lot of people really love Skyrim, but as as you know, as we've spoken about, I kind of hate Skyrim for how much it dumbed down Oblivion and how much it holds your hand through it. Like we said, the quest markers, the like massively simplified magic. Overall, I think like it's a much less interesting experience, but I understand why they did that for the mass market appeal. Oh, definitely, yeah. But it takes away from to me, as someone that has played some of the older Elder Scrolls games, uh, the immersive element where it felt like you were in a fantasy world. You know, that's just kind of the way the market goes. Yeah, I mean, look, I would I would do anything for like new games to have like 90s mode or whatever, where there are no quest markers and stuff. I would absolutely kill for any game to just have a journal system as as horrible and painful and frustrating as they are i just enjoy them so much more yeah because it makes you work for it i mean that's one of the things i really like about uh breath of the wild giving you a pro mode where it turns off all the ui and everything that 
to me, made Breath of the Wild a much more immersive experience, not just because it got rid of the UI, but because you actually then, if you didn't want to open your map and anything, if you really committed to it, it was, okay, they give you enough instructions in the dialogue that you can figure it out. That's one of the great things about Breath of the Wild is like they give you all the information in the world and you could figure out the entire game without using any of the UI. That's actually really cool. I, I've not played uh, Breath of the Wild, but um, that has immediately piqued my interest. Yeah, definitely, uh, if you get a chance, definitely do. But on that note, what is the game that you've brought to chat about today? So this, this game uh, came out like 2002 uh, and was actually overshadowed by the release of things like Morrowind, which is a shame, but it's called Arx Fatalis. Um, and it's, it's made by Arcane Studios, who did like Dishonored, Prey, Deathloop, etc., etc. And it was their first entry as uh, an independent studio. It was meant to be Ultima Underworld 3, actually. And um, they'd gotten like permission to like make the next Ultima Underworld game. Um, but then EA, who owned the IP, put a bunch of like terms and conditions on it. And then Arcane said, nah, screw that. We'll just make our own thing. Very, and we yeah. Got, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and we, we got Arx Fatalis as a result, which is this dark fantasy, cosmic horror, Cthulian Lovecraft type story in a like first person dungeon crawling, sword swinging, magic casting kind of game. Basically, for some reason, the sun has just stopped. Like it's like there's canonical story reasons to why so i won't i won't go into that but it, it's, it's just no longer there it's, it's gotten ice cold on the surface so everyone in this fantasy kingdom in this fantasy world has been forced to live in these old like dwarven mines so each level has kind of been given to a certain race so there's like the humans who live on level three the goblins are on level four with the trolls and snake women and the rat men and all these other crazy whimsical things are all forced to cohabit with each other in this just underground hellhole basically and it's it's just such an insanely rich world considering it's only seven or eight levels of map there's so much I, like I play this game yearly at least like it's, it's almost ritualistic at this point it's it's like oh here, it's it's August again time time to play Arx Fatalis and every time I play it despite this game being you know nearly two decades old and despite it being a fairly linear game I'm still learning and finding new things like the last time I played it I found out that you can you can buy stocks for the goblin and troll mines and you can manipulate the market like it's got so much low-key immersion and so much just world interaction that i just still am discovering and and every part of the game is interactable and it affects something and it's branching stories like there's multiple endings multiple paths whatever but it's not like done through like dialogue choices you know like in in say for instance mass effect or dragon age you pick like a paragon choice and it has an effect on you know who lives who dies in arx vitalis it's solely based on what you physically do in the game if you decide to just ignore this one quest or you decide to kill this certain person it just changes the whole world and it, it feels like it's breathing just for that alone just wins my heart i i love that because i mean like especially i think in morrowind there are definitely characters you can kill and like it just cuts off entire parts of the story and like no you you've decided to go down that route you have consequences to this action that sounds terrifying. That whole environment of the sun dying out and everyone forced underground and you've got this like layered world. That's 
That sounds terrifying. You were saying it has some Lovecraftian elements, some like eldritch horror sort of stuff. Can you talk about that without getting into spoilers? I, I think I can definitely dabble in it. Uh, there's there's this uh, like other spiritual plane. It's kind of the first thing you're you're, met, you're kind of granted with, and it's it's called the Noden, and it's basically this like it's not quite heaven, it's not quite hell, it's kind of both at the same time, and you've got these sort of. I guess, for lack of a better word, holy de- deities and then like you know evil deities, and they they coexist. It's it's like Earth or whatever. There's 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 good and there's bad people all living together, and basically some of the things that come forth from that realm are very Catholic and very like nightmarish and and Lovecraftian and indescribable, and so so much so that one of them actually became my legitimate paralysis demon for like several years. Oh, man. And, yeah, I'd wake up and see this giant pink fleshy lamprey with claws floating above me, and it's like, oh, fuck. But, yeah, it's, you know, the, the whole the whole fundamental storyline is, and again, you learn this pretty early on, so it's not a spoiler, really, but one of these evil deities is trying to manifest himself in the world. And, you know, he's starting this, he's influencing people to start this cult to do X, Y, and Z to bring him in to physical manifestation in the real world and the, the stuff that happens there is is absolutely absurd like there's there's like worship of like ancient meteors and like transporting like souls and uh imbuing things with like ethereal power if, if lovecraft wrote some sort of dystopic fantasy story set in like a dark fantasy world or whatever it, it would be something along these lines it's it's that sort of style i guess i love that. that that sounds absolutely horrifying and as someone that loves lovecraftian you know eldritch horror uh, elements in storytelling i find in gaming a lot of stories that try to go down that route kind of miss the mark so it it sounds like it hits the right notes it, it definitely does and it's a really tasty build up too because like the first sort of i don't know maybe hour or two of the game is like pretty standard it's like yeah there's goblins there's giant rats there's massive spiders yeah sure yeah it's normal fantasy stuff yeah 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 and then it just gets worse and worse and more progressively insane more or less and the the deeper you go in the levels the more like messed up it gets and like then obviously when you're actually dealing with the main storyline which by the way is almost completely optional you can just exist in the world and do things, but the main storyline just exists if you want to do it, which I think is cool too, because you don't have to be the hero. You can just be the dude who corrupts the troll mine stock market for fun. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And the amount of optional stuff in the game, you can, oh, I just, I, could, I honestly really could just go on forever. Okay, so sorry, troll stock market? Yeah, yeah. So on one of the levels, there's this like, there, there's trolls and goblins kind of forced to live together. And, and the goblins are like kind of dumb, but they're smarter than the trolls, right? And they kind of employ the trolls to run the mines, but the, the trolls are on strike because uh, X, Y, and Z reasons. But you can, um, you can buy shares in, in, the, in the troll mines. And I, this is what I found out like last time I played it after like two decades of playing this game. You can, buy, you can buy shares in the troll market and then basically ransack the mine, crash the market, uh, and then cause the goblins to like capitulate and like all this crazy stuff and it's just it just feels like like i don't know any other game that just lets you go in and and mess with yeah a a pre-existing market just because and it's not like there's a quest to do this it's never told to you it just is and you can just do it if you want i I don't think ox fatalis is like 
open world in the sense that we see open world today, right? It's it's like semi-open. Like there's, I mean, obviously being underground, it's there's only so much you can explore. Um, but it is, I would say, semi semi-open. It's like you can go anywhere. Like as soon as you come out of the first level, you can actually just gun it down to the very bottom level and see if you survive. You can you can finish the, the main quest in like. 10 minutes if you want if you wanted to oh but shit i love that you'll probably just get demolished as you do though but um yeah it's 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 semi semi open world i'd say yeah i mean like that's that's one thing that like i really find frustrating about a lot of open world games these days where they they say they have all these systems that you know work together and like influence each other but they don't they don't have that sort of they're there they're just part of the world yeah it's like it, it i don't know it, it's almost like in a lot of a lot of newer games uh or just games in general not even newer ones yeah i, I find that if they add a feature they they really have to be like oh here's this yeah. feature look at what you can do i i feel like arcs just didn't do that arcs is just like yeah okay have fun yeah i love that because like especially like like i was saying like they just have like tons of features and elements and like they're like oh we've got all these systems and there's a ui element for every single system so like yeah. it's, it's spelled out there right for you so it's kind of hard to miss it and i think that takes away from the fun of exploring and like you said 20 years down the line you finally came across this little exploit not yeah. even exploit just a way that the system plays out it wasn't spelled out for you it was just something that you came across and yeah. that, that that's amazing that you can play this game for decades and still pick it up and find something new. Let me give you an insane level uh, example of um, of how how immersive this game is. Okay, so we're just sticking with the trolls and goblins. The, another way you can solve this whole troll goblin mind thing, right, is there's the king of the goblins, and you can scout around and explore and sneak through the goblin kingdom and you'll find uh, eventually, and I don't want to give too many spoilers, but for, to enunciate the point, you find out that the king is really allergic to red wine. Uh, in his throne room is basically something the trolls want. It'll end the strike, but he won't give it to you, so you have to steal it. But the only way to get him out there is to literally bake him, like sneak into the kitchen, sneak red wine into his lunch, and then he literally, he, he runs to the toilet and locks himself in. Like... <laughs> And, and that's how you that's how you solve this like it, it's and 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 just on the topic of like the cooking and the baking and stuff it's not like it's not like there's like a crafting menu or whatever the whole inventory is just interactive you you collect flour you mix it with a bottle of water and it makes dough in your inventory and then you get a rolling pin you roll the dough out and it turns it into a like bread and then you can like add apples to the bread to turn it into a, like an apple pie and then you physically put it on a stove and cook it it is it that's is so, so cool. It's so massively interactive. Um, and then e even on top of that, this is my favorite part, is the magic system. I, I could rant about how much I love this magic system for endless, endless time. It's I've never seen any other game do it, and I wish that they would. So you you it's kind of standard in a way that you find runes. You know, there's like a rune that means create. There's a rune that means fire. There's a rune whatever, and and you combine them by physically casting the rune. So you have to drag the spell out on with like the cursor or whatever yeah. mid mid combat. So you'll be like running around fighting like a giant spider, and you'll you know pull out the magic casting and like cast like create fire ball and then throw it at them like you feel like an actual magician you feel I like a wizard that. it's honestly the best thing and then again on top of that is yeah there are like you get a journal your guy writes down the spells as you learn them but there are also ones that 
the, the citizens, the people of the world have not discovered and you can learn them like just by playing with it. You just mix different runes together and create spells that are not known to the people of Arcs. And it's so cool because it, it feels like you're discovering things in a world where things have not, not everything's been discovered. Like you play Skyrim, it's like it feels like everyone knows everything. There's yeah. nothing new to learn. It's you know everyone somehow knows about this ancient Dwemer city that's been there for centuries. It, everyone knows it's there, but in Arcs, it's there's an entire crypt level, like eight levels of crypt that just no one even is aware of, really. Like that's like a third of the game, and not a single person in the game knows it exists. There's there's like one quest that leads you into it because it's 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 like set up in the main city, the entrance of the Ark of of the, of the crypt. And, like, people think it goes, like, one or two levels down, but it goes eight levels. And it's the most insanely awesome collection of crypt-styled puzzles that I have ever seen. It is it is the best dungeon-exploring experience I've ever seen in any game. Nothing nothing rivals it to me. The, the crypt levels of Arx Vitalis are absurdly cool. Man, I, I love being a good dungeon call, but back on the magic thing, yeah, that... I feel like definitely in the the Wii era, there was definitely some games where like I think like Okami had the same sort of thing where you like drew out the different characters to do different things. But I haven't played Okami, but the mm. only thing that I found, and I'll send send this you away in the VR space. Devs have been doing that same sort of thing where you literally have to cast out the different spells with different gestures to throw fireballs and stuff that's super cool but like you said like that's something i haven't really seen in and, and, ages and just i just feel like arx vitalis had ideas and stuff that were well ahead of its time because for this concept to only be showing up in 2020 2021 for vr kind of and like maybe on the wii like that's that's 15 years ahead of time, you know what I mean? Yeah. Although now I'm really hankering for Arx Vitalis VR because Ooh, that yes. would, would be actually so insane. And that, that sort of immersive environment where things aren't spelled out to you, so good yeah. in VR. Yeah, you just, you, you'd actually, I, I think what it does best is it makes you feel like you're part of the world, like, like properly. And, and, and as I said, you know, you're not like the dragonborn or whatever. Like, I mean, you could be if you mm. want to be. But you're just some you, dude. You, yeah, you're just some dude, and you can just you can literally just go to the tavern and just get drunk with dudes and and gamble on darts and make food and, and just yeah, like, just exist with everyone else. Yeah, yeah, it's it literally feels like you could it could be like a fantasy sim if you wanted it to be. Fascinating. The only game that I really know that it's like that, and the gameplay is like entirely different. But in terms of like that immersive world, Kenshi, which I haven't played that much of, but I've watched one of my friends play it a ton. You start as a literal nobody uh, and you just kind of, you can just exist in the world. You can become a massive slave trader. You could just get pissed drunk in the local bar every day, or you could go and make a settlement out in the middle of the desert and try and survive against these really weird giant bird dinosaur things like kenshi has such a great immersive world in the same vein of like not everything's spelled out for you unless you're into like super super rpg stuff uh it's it's not most people's cup of tea it's it's piqued my interest from that alone i'm, I'm literally looking at it on steam right now i'm i'm ken <laughs> yeah it's super super good and one of the things i love about kenshi is the stories that i hear people tell from their time playing it where Literally no one has the same story. Kenshi's world is very much, there are things going on, 
find them. You're just in the world, and these things happen whether you're part of it or not. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I and love that. That's really cool. It's, it's definitely it de- like Arx definitely has a little little bit of that. It doesn't sound like it's as as extensive, but like definitely yeah. like things happen whether you're there or not. There's entire quests that. You know, it's like, oh, this person's been kidnapped. You got to go and like save them from like the cultists or whatever. And if you don't, like, she just gets bloody killed, and then you have to deal with being shit at like saving her, and everyone hates you for it. Like, it's it's cool in a way. Yeah, like that's Kenshi's thing is definitely the whole world building uh, side of it, rather than the gameplay side of it, because it's a lot like Morrowind. It is very much roll <laughs> roll nat zero on half your yeah. hits. Yeah, um, okay. It's still really fun. And in my opinion, a way more immersive and alive world than Morrowind. I think that's a big compliment because Morrowind has a great world. Just mm. as there's, there's a lot of empty in Morrowind. That that is true. For like the majority of Morrowind, you're literally just walking through like hills and they just look the same. Even though Morrowind does have a lot of empty, great environments. And I feel like Oblivion is like the really nice middle ground between uh, Morrowind and Skyrim in terms of like size and density because I feel like Skyrim is like quite small in comparison but yeah it has like little little things dotted everywhere but it's a lot of like the same little things dotted everywhere uh, yeah definitely and then yeah. Morrowind is way bigger than Skyrim and has a lot of empty but I feel like the things that you come across even just the environments there's such a wide range of environments compared to Skyrim and the things that you come across are definitely more unique and definitely more tied to each area and the characters that are involved with it. And yeah, I think for sure. Oblivion hits that nice middle ground between the more contemporary gameplay uh, and just the way that the systems work are more yeah. accessible than Morrowind, but it's not as simplified as Skyrim and it has like a nice balance of density in the world where it's definitely not as like massive as Morrowind and not as like densely packed as Skyrim but there's still a lot of stuff going on it, it was a real it, like Oblivion really was a perfect middle ground in a lot of things um I just wish they invested in more voice actors because there's literally like five yeah. of them yeah <laughs> god I forgot like, about that like every every third guy is the same orc voice it's very very it, get, it gets tiresome but um it's like I can look past that and just enjoy Oblivion for all of its gumpy glory yeah and horse armor Oh god! The, yeah, I mean, we we all laughed at horse armor. Oh my god, a DLC for horse armor, and now look at the industry. Yeah, oh god, we were ranting about that on your stream last night. Like, yeah, yeah. just the expansion after expansion for some games. Yeah, but yeah, I mean, are there any other fun bits about Ox Vitalis that you think we should know oh, about? Yeah, definitely. I, again, I could go on forever. Yeah, but, no, um, please. I, I I've got all the time in the world. I want to hear as much as I can. Um. Okay. Like just. It's the stupidest point ever, but let me tell you uh, this one little nugget of immersion. If you eat garlic in the game and talk to people, they run away because your breath stinks. Like, I love it's... that. <laughs> yeah, and there's there's no spells that don't have a purpose. Every single one of them has a valid use somewhere. In some games, it's like, you know, oh, you cast a fireball or, like, a lightning ball, and they kind of do the same thing, but, like... There are, there are functional in-world things that fireballs are good for. You can melt ice with them, for instance. Yeah. But on, on top of that is, I think, I, I think, and this is more a testament to Arcane Studios themselves, um, the DNA and the fundamental concept of Arx Vitalis has been present in every single game they have made since. 
um, and their their love of like cosmic horror has not changed. Like you can see this most evidently in in uh, Dishonored and Prey, I would say, um, because Prey is as it, it is a hundred percent cosmic horror. You're being attacked by shape shifting masses that you've never seen before and you don't know where they're coming from and and then in Dishonored you've got like especially in like Dark the Death of the Outsider you've got like the Void Sentinels and yeah. the the Void as a whole is very very Lovecraftian in style I, I feel like just Arx Vitalis was the truest this is Arcane Studios and then everything else has been a built built on top of that it, it feels like you can see the linear progression of their design ideas from game to game to game and uh, like especially the, the the bridging one would be um would be the dark messiah game that they made so after after arx vitalis um valve reached out to arcane studios and was like hey we want you to make something on the source engine so they made a spin-off to the might and magic series which is called dark messiah which is first person sword swinging magic game which also is incredible and if you haven't played it it is brilliant it is just as interactive as arcs although much more linear but it's so good there's 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 spells where you can shrink a dude down to like the size of like a small bird and then you can just kick him off a balcony or like <laughs> like the whole thing is is built on physics because you know it's using the source engine yeah. which which it's you know, very was physics a physics oriented engine. yeah yeah you, you can you can cast ice on the floor and a guy will slip over on it and then if that ice patch happens to just be near a cliff or a wall of spikes then they just fly into the <laughs> into the death you know what i mean and oh that's great you you look at arcs dark messiah and then dishonored and it apart from the different universe almost feels like the same series it feels like a natural progression from each other and yeah i don't know i i i think i just really like arcane studios that's fair. I mean, they make great stuff. I mean, I fully understand what you're saying about like that progression because I've played Dark Messiah and Dishonored. Didn't really get into Dishonored 2, but yeah, yeah like, I can definitely see how that evolution plays through all of those and how, yeah, it's definitely Arcane really pushing that immersive world. I think their storytelling and world building is some of the strongest out there, but also, definitely. yeah, like the core gameplay systems where it all interact like everything has a function and everything has a function in correlation to something else and i, yeah, I really really love that it was one of the things i love about dishonored where like not only could you like chain all your abilities together but like you could really use it in interaction with the environment it wasn't just in that specific contact uh combat context it was just across the world as a whole yeah definitely and again the magic system of dishonored like you can you can tie that so closely to arcs and um and dark messiah because it's and especially in in dishonored 2 and the the dlc death of the outsider where many of the spells are literal dependent on what's around you like uh i think it's in death of the outsider you can sort of like physically bind things together so you can just like bind a dude to like an exploding barrel or whatever it's just that interactive manifest it's so it's so good yeah i haven't played death of the outsider but i've heard many people say great things about it and just based on what you've said now yeah it definitely sounds like that that really fully interactive environment where even just in the base game of Dishonored, there's so much that you can do. And yeah. you can definitely play through it like the first time I played through it. Very surface level, like a lot of contemporary games would direct you to play. Just use your abilities in the most straightforward, literal way. 
But then on subsequent playthroughs, I've definitely got more and more creative as I understand how the world works better and better. Uh, and getting yeah. getting them that sort of chain of elements going together and then you pull off the craziest shit. Yeah, absolutely. And again, like just to reiterate the point, I guess, is is how immersive and interactive that whole like world is. Like, you know, you know, I mentioned how with Arx Hotels, if you do or don't do a certain action, that impacts the game. You can see that's super evident in Dishonored. You know, if if you don't kill anyone and you do like a clean hands playthrough then like the whole world, the whole story changes as a result of your actions. It's not like, yeah, there are some things that are dialogue decision choices, but your physical actions in the world uh, affect the world. And and that's, you know, that's part of that DNA, that Arx Fatalis DNA that has been in every Arcane Studios game since. Yeah, it's a living, breathing world. And I, yeah. I really love that about Dishonored. I feel like it was less there in Dishonored 2 and it, kind of went into that more contemporary game vein where it is a little more literal. I, I think so too. I think Dishonored 2, as much as I enjoyed Dishonored 2, it, it was lacking something that Dishonored 1 had, but then Dishonored Death of the Outsider, can, and I, I think Death of the Outsider is the best entry in the whole series. Okay. It's short, it's short, it's sweet, it doesn't overstay its welcome, and the abilities are absolutely insanely cool. I, I'm definitely going to have to give it a try, because, uh, yeah, I really, I didn't finish Dishonored 2 because it just didn't click in the same way that the original game did. Yeah, no, I, I get that. Um, a lot of people feel the same. Like Dishonored 1 really, really, it's pretty hard to top that game, in my opinion. It's, yeah. it's one of my favorite games of all time. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, I think, one of the most interesting pieces of contemporary gaming. Like we were saying, definitely has a lot of elements from the older entries like uh, Arx Fatalis. Yeah, definitely. And uh, look, honestly, if, 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 if there's any game in, Arc in, in uh, Arcane Studios' catalogue that you haven't played, just just play them. Do yourself a favour and play them. Yeah, no, I, I can fully uh, back up that statement for sure. I, I just I just wish that it got more... Arx Vitalis got more... Um, more, like, hype when it was released. Because it was, it was... It came out and then Morrowind came out. And, like... That's, yeah. Yeah, comparatively, like... It is, it's a more linear game, for sure, and it's not as expansive. But then again, you know, you're looking at a, essentially a AAA developer versus who was at the time an indie developer. Yeah, exactly. And like, also, like, The Elder Scrolls already had that foothold on yeah, the market. Definitely. Like, people already knew what The Elder Scrolls was, even yeah. though um, Daggerfall was much more niche than Morrowind ended up being. Yeah, for sure. Were there any, like sequels to Octopus or was it just that one instance and then like spiritual sequels it was it was just the one unfortunately um that being said the uh the head the heads of uh of arcane studios do occasionally mention it like they haven't forgotten it and they know that there is a very committed albeit small fan base of um Arx Vitalis. so i'm i'm perpetually hopeful that we will get something in the future but I don't know if it will, you know? Yeah, that's definitely, like, the hard thing these days where larger studios are conservative about new IPs. Because at this point, it would be a new IP. It's so far yeah. gone from the market that, yeah, like, it's basically introducing a, a new property. And for Arcane is a large studio now. So, yeah. like, it's definitely harder to convince them Hey, take a take a gamble on this game that people might not like. 
Yeah, definitely. And like, again, if you look at the reviews, like it, it did pretty well. Like I think most reviews were like 80 plus out of 100, but just the market wasn't there because everyone was playing Morrowind. And it just makes me wonder if Morrowind came out like a few months later, like would it would we have arcs fatalis 2 i wish you know maybe maybe one day and like we were saying at least there has been that spiritual success and uh, succession through all of arcane's work playing dishonored or or dark messiah or prey feels feels like i am playing arcs 2 in a way it's just like as good as those universes are not nothing captured my my soul like the world of arcs fatalis did all right, so given that you do a more or less yearly playthrough of it, how much of that feeling do you think is nostalgia and how much of it do you think is it's just being like a fundamental character trait for you now? <laughs> um, look, there's, there's definitely a, a chunk of nostalgia. Like, I mean, I, I remember booting it up for the first time. So, uh, you know, how I mentioned that my parents bought that second computer for the family. Yeah. The, the, little, the little guy running the computer store is this tiny little computer store. was like, oh, this game just came out. You know, you've just bought a whole PC to have it for free. And I've still got the disc. That's, that's how much I'm attached to this game. <laughs> it, it definitely was a huge chunk of my childhood, as was Diablo 2 and, and Age of Empires 2, which, uh, again, both games I still play today, especially um, I, was, I was just gifted the uh, Diablo 2 remaster, and it's pretty tasty, and, and it, feels, it feels good. It's like, it's like you're playing that game. It, it's, it's how it feels to you growing up. It's, it, it feels like... Uh, anyway, there's definitely a good chunk of nostalgia, but the fact that I keep playing it and finding new things to do is like, it, it, it just keeps me in this perpetual state of bewilderment and just excitement. Yeah, it really proves uh, that it's not just nostalgia. It is a solid yeah. game. It's a genuinely solid game, 100%. And like, I, like I, I tend to be, or at least I consider myself a fairly harsh critic with games, like, but I, I think Arx is, is as close to a perfect game as one can get. That is a big statement. Yeah, like there's not there's not many games in my opinion that that are near that. Like the only ones I can think of are maybe like Mass Effect Two, Fallout Three in my opinion. But I know that's uh, I know that's, that's gonna start yeah, a that, whole That's war. a pretty divisive one. Yeah, uh, and then and then Bioshock, I think Bioshock Two specifically. Uh, again, divisive. Interesting that you say Bioshock Two because I know like most people that have played Bioshock One would say it's like it pretty close to a 10 out of 10 but i've never heard anyone say that about bioshock 2 i i look i, I adore bioshock 1 it's it's one of those fundamental games that changed gaming forever like it's it's on par with with doom eternal with half-life 2 with half-life 1 even but bioshock 2 felt better like yeah the story maybe was not as like actually no no that's a complete lie. the story was incredible and the fact that you're playing as this like this big daddy and you're like trying to prove that you're essentially the whole game you're trying to prove to the people of rapture that you're not this you're not a monster you're a person looking for your your daughter or you can go yeah fuck it i am a monster and just brutalize everyone like it's that same level of immersion and there are there are parts of bioshock 2 that like especially dialogue that still pop up in my head just randomly just random quotes and i go shit like that game really makes you think and yeah bioshock one has some good things the whole like would you kindly and the atlas twist mm. and stuff is really good but bioshock 2 just just hit the hammer so much harder for me that's one of the things i really love about uh gaming as a storytelling medium where you have much more control over the narrative in in when you are given the choice especially like you were saying it is a flipped perspective on 
Bioshock 1. You're seeing the other side of it. But also you get to control exactly what that flip perspective is. Because yeah, you could play it either way. That's not something that you really get to see in a lot of other formats. Uh, during this conversation, I've come to the realization that I have a real soft spot for games that let you do that. Like game, games that have the, the whole perspective shift on it. You know, you can do it in Arcs, you can do it in Dishonored, you can do it in Mass Effect, you can do it in Fallout, you can do it in Bioshock. I've just realized all of my yeah, favorite games. Yeah, no, that's uh, 100%. <laughs> essentially have a karma system in it. And there you go. It's a realization from me. Yeah, the, the sort of full fat role play. Yes, yeah. definitely. It, it's just and again also and I don't know why I haven't mentioned this but Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic as yes. well yes um, that that game is genuinely perfect and I'm I'm kind of scared about this remaster but <laughs> that's a different topic yeah we're not we're not going to touch that that's a whole conversation on its own <laughs> yeah yeah that, that's, terrifying that's, yeah absolutely terrifying the best thing they could do is, is have a mode that lets you play it like the original and then a mode that lets you play it like a like Dragon Age or something. Like you that way that's the only way you can appeal to new new audiences and old ones. Yeah, I mean look, if it still has the depth of a Dragon Age game, I'll be happy. That's that's yeah. pretty good. But I think that's probably a good point to wrap up this conversation unless you've got any other things you want to say about arcs because i feel like you are one of very few people that will speak about it look again i could i could go on forever just 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 play the damn game it's so good <laughs> and, and it's it's like five bucks i think uh usually um you do have to get like a a mod called arcs liberatus to get it running on modern operating systems but that self installs so very easy uh and look honestly if you don't like it you don't like it but it's definitely worth the price you know what i mean just give it a go yeah, I think most people can be like, yeah, five bucks is worth a shot. But thank you for just ranting on about one of you, your favorite games. Uh, yeah, just let us know where we can find you. And is there any projects that you're working on that you want to talk about? Uh, not particularly, but um, thank you for having me on. I, I stream I stream on Twitch with my, with my partner. We're incompetently competent. Uh, we generally just talk shit about video games and very frequently Arx Vitalis shows up. We do that. We have a YouTube as well where we sometimes very rarely do things. But yeah, beyond that, that's that's all. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, Incompetently Incompetent is a great name. It's what got me to click on your channel in the first place because just reading it got me to laugh out loud. We were, we were pretty happy with it. We actually originally wanted to be called Shitly Good, <laughs> but... But Twitch wasn't okay with that, so we- That we, does not surprise me, yeah. we, we jumped onto a thesaurus and quite literally found incompetently competent, and- um, I think that has a much better ring to it. I think so too. <laughs> yeah, sometimes sometimes the first idea isn't the best one. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. But you know, in, in, our, in our minds, we know who we really are, so- <laughs> Shitly good at heart, yeah. Shitly good at heart, exactly. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. I know we talked a little bit about it before we started, but like getting getting to hear all of it and especially seeing you draw the parallels to games that I have played, like Dishonored really got me sold on it. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think I think it'll be one of those things. It's like it's like when you watch like a really convoluted science fiction series and then it all comes together at the end. It's like you go back and rewatch it and you go, oh shit, there's hints of this and hints of that. Yeah, you'll, exactly. You'll, you'll play arcs and be like, shit, like they built on this in Dishonored. They did this in Deathloop. Like and, and you'll you'll see it. You'll feel the the fundamental DNA and it's it's very exciting. Well thank you viewer for coming along on this little journey where we explored Arcs Fatalis and its impact on not only Tom, but the gaming industry and Arcane's entire body of work. Links to buy Arx Vitalis and all of Tom's socials and mine are in the description down below. 
If you want to catch more lovely, fun, exciting conversations like this, hit that red button down below or on other platforms, follow and you'll see our next episode when it goes up. Until then, this is Josh signing off and wishing you the best in your gaming adventures.